What a wonderful day, and uh, glad that you could spend some time with us. Uh, coming up, we have a mortgage professional in studio to talk about uh, a slightly different perspective on what's happening in the real estate mar- market. Of course, we'll talk about mortgages, uh, some of the unintended consequences of the new 15% tax, and uh, a changing market and opportunities for first-timers and millennials to actually own real estate. John, what are the stories that we're talking about right now on Vancouver Real Estate Today? Good morning, Ian. We're going to start off on that note. And a Vancouver area family uh, spoke out after the province's new uh, foreign buyer's tax uh, put the sale of their home into jeopardy this week. Heather Nyberg says a deal signed before the 15% levy came into effect earlier this month is in danger of collapsing, which would prevent she and her husband from buying a home they've already put a deposit down on. Uh, Nyberg says she's stressed, no doubt, about the possibility of losing an $80,000 deposit. Now we're faced with all this uncertainty. I don't know if we should continue packing. We don't know if our buyers are going to be moving in. Um, We are just really stressed out. I had already packed half the home and now I'm sort of faced with this question of what to do. Of course, we're going to talk uh, more about uh, this story and many others like it coming up on uh, Real Estate Today. Ian, uh, Metro Vancouver's rental market will not be cooling down anytime soon. In fact, it's actually on track to climb a whopping 20% this year. Uh, that's according to UBC economist Tom Davidoff, who has been tracking rental data online since March. The worse the property, that is the smaller and the less conveniently located, the greater the rental increase. So the rent increases have been concentrated at what I'd call the bottom of the market, not the top. He says smaller one- and two-bedroom suites have saw a 15% hike between April and August. Just yesterday, we got our increase, our notice of increase for rent where I live. Uh, more accusations have been laid against one of the real estate companies really at the heart of BC's shadow-flipping scheme. Uh, Richmond Realtors suing her former employer, New Coast Realty, claiming they cut her out and withheld more than $200,000 in commissions. This after she refused to shadow-flip. Morning You claims that Ziyu Wu pr- pressured her to push clients to accept low offers from what she calls friendly buyers. Her suit claims those buyers would then assign the property for a higher price, pulling in a double commission for New Coast. As you may recall, Ziyu Wu stepped aside from that agency back in April. This all amid the investigation into New Coast's practices. Uh, none of the realtors' claims have been proven in court, and we reached out to New Coast for comment but had not heard back. Well, criticism of Quebec's immigrant investor program, which some blame for being a backdoor to foreign buyers of Vancouver's real estate market, uh, doesn't look like it's going to die down anytime soon. Federal Immigration Minister John McCallum says it would be unconstitutional to force new permanent residents where they live in Canada. What I am saying, though, is from an immigration policy point of view, as I said, we will do our best to ensure that immigrants don't just all descend on Vancouver and Toronto, but that they are dispersed more evenly across the country. Quebec's so-called sweetheart immigration system has really come under fire from critics for allowing laundered money in through Quebec, which is then being used to buy up property here in Vancouver. Let's talk about uh, property sales and, and what could be effect from the new foreign buyers tax. Sales of detached homes in Richmond, Ian, have plummeted. Vancouver realtor Steve Zaretsky says while some paperwork may not have been filed yet, MLS data is showing that just eight homes moved in the first two weeks of August. Uh, that's far fewer than the monthly a- average, which is actually closer to about 200. 
that's the psychology change. A lot of the market before is driven by FOMO, fear of missing out. Prices keep going up and up, so people want to jump in the market and, and make some money, or they felt they were going to get priced out. And then reports started to come out that things were slowing down. And then, of course, you had the announcement of the foreign buyer tax. So instantly, like that week, you could see it. He says sales are slower than normal during the summer lull, of course, but that September sales will actually tell the real story of how bad it is. Recent provincial data shows that Richmond led the region for sales to foreign buyers, snapping up about 19% of homes in a one-month period. Let's talk about uh, affordable homes and 400 new affordable homes coming to Vancouver. That's another promise from Vancouver Mayor Gregor Robertson. He says the city's working with three developers who want to build SRO replacements and also multifamily units. This in the downtown east side and also southwest Marine Drive. So rents will range from the shelter rate of $375 to $2,000. Robertson was asked if he considered $2,000 affordable for low-income families. If we um, do get partnership from the provincial and federal government, we can bring the rents down. We are able to put forward uh, a measure of affordability with these sites. He's calling on them to uh, step up. They're doing the work saying that they'll have more definitive commitments by the next budget. We want to be sure we have as much in the process and ready to be funded by the federal government to ensure that that money flows. He also say, says that uh, developers are looking to break ground later this year. So, Ian, is 2000 affordable for a low-income family? Uh, I don't think so, but uh, I, I, if they can make it happen, I, I think they would take the housing, though. I think so. If they can. While uh, Vancouver City Council is on summer break, Robertson also says staff are, are busy hammering away at that city's empty homes tax. Vancouver staff are working with provincial staff on next steps with the empty homes and uh, working on all the elements of that. We, we very... Uh, very badly need access to provincial data. Um, now, those are some of the stories that uh, made real estate news this week. We have one more that I just wanted to touch on, Ian. A developer really known for its work in the North Shore of False Creek is at odds with the city over a piece of land in the area given to, the Vancouver, given to Vancouver under the promise that it would actually use that for nonprofit housing. Concord Pacific says in a notice of civil claim that the nearly 60,000 square feet of property, this is at 601 Beach Crescent, it was supposed to be dedicated towards a low-rise housing project when they flipped it to the city. Uh, over 20 years ago, they made this deal. Uh, but the site was put up for sale in May, and the developers concerned it'll be bought with the purpose of becoming another high-rise. Uh, the civil documents say Concord is worried uh, that would compete with their own development plans for its other lands. Uh, Concord wants to buy back that land at a fair market price now, but in the meantime wants an injunction to prevent any transaction from happening the city declined comments, saying the issue is before the courts. So a very interesting week as far as real estate news. Again, That, that story interests me, uh, this Concord one. Concord is also the same company that promised a park in Falls Creek, and I don't know if that's come to be or not. I know there's a lot of talk in the last several months, but I, I want to go back to something you talked about earlier because the look of horror on your face when you said you got your notice for your rent increase percentage-wise, what, what is it? Uh, Percentage-wise, or roughly, uh, to be honest, I didn't even read it. I just uh, going up by a lot. No, uh, we no, know, it, 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 we knew it was coming. We know that you're independently wealthy. You don't worry about yeah, the bottom money's, line. Money's no thing, right? No thing, and, and you just you do this for fun, right? <laughs> no, my my wife got it, and I haven't looked at it yet. Um, to be honest, we, we knew it was coming, and it was no shock to us. But it did come. Talk about two thousand dollars for affordable housing. Is that number affordable? Well, no, of course it's not affordable. But I guess if that's the only, if you are given that opportunity, you try to find a way to make that happen. That's that's what I would say. Mm-hmm. If you if you're otherwise 
living in, in squalor conditions or something that's then less than ideal if you're particularly if you're raising a family. Thanks so much for that, John. We're going to take a break now. We'll come right back. We've got a very interesting guest for you. Stay with us. This is Vancouver Real Estate Today on News Talk 980 CKNW. Katrina Kurishnia is an independent licensed mortgage broker in British Columbia. She specializes in helping first-time homebuyers get into the market and invest in their future just like she did at the age of 25. She has a degree in human relations and commerce, and uh, her past experience is quite deep in HR and real estate development. Katrina brings to the table a holistic approach to finding her clients the best mortgage available that will suit their needs and their lifestyle, and we're so happy that you were able to come in and join us today. Hi, Ian. Thanks so much for having me over. It's a, a real pleasure, and uh, the fact that you give, you've given up this beautiful day to be inside <laughs> with John and I is really yeah, nice. I don't, I don't know what you were thinking on that. One, <laughs> there's no, there's no, uh, there's so much more to a mortgage than just simply looking at the posted rate. Oh, absolutely, yeah, and that's actually something that I really emphasize to my clients. Um, there's so much more than the rate. There's uh, the kind of flexibility that you're looking for in your mortgage, um, the kind of mortgage that you might actually get approved based on your situation. Um, it could be the type of property that's being financed, um, what you want to do with your mortgage, what your long-term plans are, if you want to sell, if you want to keep it, if you want to rent. So there's definitely a lot more to consider than just uh, what's being posted as the interest rate. Let me put this straight straight to you. Let's get this on the table. Why why should I come to see you as a mortgage broker? Why why don't I just go down to the corner of my neighborhood bank where I've been dealing for you know ten, fifteen, twenty years? That's a great question, Ian. I think when people see um, and work with a mortgage broker, they just have more options. Uh, if you just go to your bank or credit union, whoever that you've been banking with, um, even if you've had a long-term relationship with them, doesn't mean the product that they are able to offer you is the best product for you. And I think just having all the options available to you when you're working with an independent broker just is it's just better for you. It's, it's in your best interest. When you got into the market at the age of 25, did you, were you a mortgage broker at that time? I was not. No, I was working in HR. So who did you go to? Did you go to a mortgage broker or did you go to a bank? I did go to a mortgage broker. I remember one of my colleagues um, just got his house and uh, the whole concept was really um, vague and I didn't know what to do. And he said, hey, I used this mortgage broker and he was fantastic and um, he helped me with it. And I, I can really appreciate now being on the other side. Um a lot of things that an independent broker can do where your bank may not be able to do. For example, last minute, if something goes wrong as an independent broker, we can maybe uh, send your file to another lender sure. and still save like the new, deal for like you. Like a new 15% tax? Something <laughs> last minute like that? Actually, so you have options. Uh... You have options. And, and that did come into handy because I had to move it to another lender in order to uh, save one of my clients from paying that tax okay. in order to close earlier. So yes, definitely. <laughs> what, what effect do you think that this uh, 15% international property purchase tax has had on the market in general? Let's sort of shift a little bit away from mortgages. We'll stay with the mortgages, but I'm curious because you're in a unique position where you can see and watch real estate as it develops, and it's fluid because it's changing almost every day. What has what has this impact had? Um, I think it's definitely changed, and it's definitely impacted the market. It is slower. At the same time, it's 
uh, you know, mid-August, people are traveling. So I don't know what's really uh, relating to that. There are fewer numbers of um, transactions just in my business for uh, for sure that's a that has an impact Um, I know some of my clients that were pre-approved for example that are here on uh, temporary work permits or they are um, their application for permanent residency or refugee status is approved but they don't actually have their PR card yet so those those people are definitely going to be holding off until they get that so they will for a lot of people um in that situation the extra 15 percent would just be completely something that they can't cope with so they have let me ask you this then do you think in your mind that the government made the right move now and and be honest did they make the right move and either way that you answer that what would you have liked to have seen different um i think it's common a lot of people have voiced this but you know i i think most people would have liked a little bit more of a heads up. Most people would have liked um, the um, the deals that were for it not to go in retroactively. So right. if someone mm-hmm. made a purchase, they bought a pre-sale, um, you know, it was just kind of an unfair last minute thing. Well, the government says there would have been a run on the market. Do you think that would have happened? Then suddenly we would have been overwhelmed with, you know, that we were overwhelmed anyway. Yeah. A lot of realtors were uh, because this, they wanted to beat that August 2nd deadline. But I'm wondering if the government's uh, position that, you know, the market would have just exploded. I'm, that's my word, not theirs. But that would have gone a little out of control. And that's the thing that they wanted to avoid. Yeah, I mean, uh, that that definitely could have been an option. But I think... Um I think there's, there's, I don't know, I'm not a policymaker, but I think there's, there could have um, been more planning to make it a little bit, a little bit more. Um, Some more consultations. Con- consultation is yeah. the word I keep hearing over and over yeah. from realtors and people. A little bit more involved. I think the implementation is the, is the issue that, because uh, we've had people, John, on the show here uh, that have been screaming because, you know, they've had clients that have been put in very precarious situations where deals have been signed, contracts were signed, everybody thought that good faith had been exercised, and then suddenly, bam, they're faced with this, and, and deals went sideways, and money was lost, and homes were lost, and lives were disrupted. So the implementation perhaps could have been done a little bit differently, I yeah, think. When, you know, we're in an, an election year, as everybody knows, and when this tax when it was first announced, it took a lot of people by surprise. I mean, it was the dead of summer. Uh, usually things like this aren't announced at times like it was, but there was a lot of calls and a lot of people voicing concerns over uh, the fact that the government hasn't acted and done something to help at least cool the market down. And so they did something, and now everyone's reacting to that. But I agree that perhaps more consultation should have happened but at the same time you know what i think the rush for these realtors and people uh, looking to make these last minute deals would have happened regardless even if the retroactive nature you know it's interesting and and we'll we're going to talk about this afternoon uh, today on on cknw weekend but it's interesting that the the government said that they didn't want a carbon tax because they didn't want to impose a tax (laughs) (laughs) but here they are one hand and the other hand so but we'll get into that afternoon today i thought thought they would have i was surprised yeah we we talked about that uh, yesterday and i thought you know what they might they might surprise me so atrina back on august 10th uh, you wrote a piece for the huffington post Uh, i know you're a regular contributor Mm -hmm. and uh, i enjoy your your work and your writing and uh, the title of your of your uh, post was uh, "Are Our Emotions Running the Real Estate Market?" And what tweaked me was that this is something I have been saying for a number of years: is that 
One of the things that happens to people, whether you're a buyer or whether you're a seller, and perhaps even in your business, is that emotions do tend to get into it. And, and so what, what do you say to people when emotions start to run high? Oh, this has been happening a lot, uh, especially in the last year where my clients just keep getting outbid on their dream home or there's multiple offers going in. And um, uh, sometimes they they really are. They're really thinking with their emotions and they're going in. They're like, oh, I have to do this. And I say, OK, well, you know your budget. Stick with that. And, um, you know, it's it's just the fear of not being able to get into the market. Mm-hmm. They can't get in now. And they'll never be able to get in. So they're really, really working with their emotions and they're going in there. Sometimes they're making offers that are exceeding their budget um, or something that they'd be comfortable with just for the sake of getting in and just because they're just nervous. It's very interesting you should say that because I think you're you're right on the money here is that people, they get caught up in the frenzy. Will I ever get in? Will I get in? Will I get to make this move? Will Will I be able to do it? And and quite often, the, the, the truth of the matter is, is that sometimes if you can remove that emotion, start thinking more with your brain and a, l- a little bit more sensibility, that you will get in. It may not be today. Maybe it'll be tomorrow. Maybe it'll be a week from now. And then conversely, if you're selling your home, the one of the key things uh, is to check your emotions and why a realtor is always a good idea is that... You know, if you raised your family here or if you had your dog grow up here, you know, and uh, maybe you're old enough to have grandkids, so you are emotionally attached to this and you need to really, really separate it. So for, and, and the example I'd like to use on that note is if you think your house, and we'll just use a flat n- number of $100,000, you think your house is worth $100,000, but it's really only worth eighty. But you said, you know, look, my, yeah. my kid played on that swing set. It, that's worth something. Well, no, it's not. Because I'm chopping that tree down when it, I buy the house. It ain't <laughs> worth a dime. The, the point that, that, that I'm laboring to make here is that uh, it's so important that we separate our emotions from our mortgages, our financial dealings, and from our transaction uh, feelings. Uh, can, can we get you to stay? Oh, absolutely. Okay. What we'll yeah. do, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll take a break. And we'll get caught up uh, at uh, the CKNW News Desk. Atrina Kurshnia is our guest this morning. She's an independent licensed mortgage broker in British Columbia. Her office is in Vancouver, and we have much more coming up for you. Stay with us on Vancouver Real Estate Today on News Talk 980 CKNW. Our guest this morning is Atrina Kurishnia. She's an independent licensed mortgage broker. Uh, her license covers British Columbia, but her office is here in Vancouver. She specializes in helping first-time home buyers get into the market and invest in their future, uh, just as she did uh, when she was at the tender young age of 25. We'll get into that a little bit uh, in a few minutes, but we were talking during the break about some really good examples of, of people that have come from outside our borders to buy real estate and, and some of the struggles that you've had to deal with. Um, yeah, Ian, I think it's really great to touch base on that just to kind of um, make the situation a little bit more real. Uh, one of the examples I have was um, a family that just came to Canada. Their refugee status just got approved, so technically they're, they don't have permanent residency yet. Mm-hmm. They're not Canadian citizens, so they would have to pay the foreign tax. And I remember calling him on Monday when the tax, the new tax was announced. Um, and I told him, I said, this is an extra amount of money that you have to pay and it cannot get added onto your mortgage. 
And he That's was, a good point. I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah, I did not know that. I cannot. You could not take that tax out on the mortgage. No, of you course can't, not. No, it's a closing cost, and a closing cost cannot right. get added on. You know what? It didn't even occur to me. So that's why a lot of deals were probably collapsing because it's just they couldn't get the financing. Exactly. Sorry to interrupt, but yeah. I, that was an in- interesting point. Yeah. No, it's it's uh, it's good to point that out. And um, I remember him on the other side of the phone, and he he was shocked. And he said, Trina, that's a lot of money. I said, I know. I 100% agree with you, but there's nothing we can do about it. And that's the situation where we actually um, worked with the lender. And this is where, John, it it came into his benefit working with a broker because immediately I was able to take it to another lender Mm -hmm. that was able to close before August 2nd. But you know, this this is someone that is working here. This is someone that um, is approved for refugee status. So they are Canadian, right. you know, Canadian to be. Um, and, you know, they were still hit with that. And it's it's not it's not just wealthy um, people from abroad that are buying who, you know, this tax would would uh, affect, but other people as well. We, we saw huge amounts of numbers of people with pre-sale condo sales uh, not go through before the deadline hit, uh, essentially. I think there was a couple thousand or something from people I talked to. Um, you had an example of a couple from uh, the U.S., I guess, that yeah. uh, they bought pre-sale, and because of the, the timing, it just uh, they ended up getting hit with this tax as well? Yes. So I have a really lovely couple. They're from the States. They're from Ohio. And uh, they purchased a pre-sale in 2012. It was supposed to be completed in spring, but there's usually delays with uh, development. <laughs> really? <laughs> and um, they are, they're retired, so you know they're not earning money. They're using their savings. And now the project is expected to be completed end of September. And now they're looking at an extra hundred thousand dollars that wow. they have to for come up with. For something in twenty twelve that they for something in twenty twelve that they purchased. Wow. Yeah. A wow. retired couple, like you said, not earning extra income. Yeah. They're they're using their savings, so that's just another so when, chunk of savings. Yeah, when people think of the foreign buyers tax, think of couples like this as well. Oh, absolutely. This, this is, yeah. Yeah. Well, we got locked into yeah. this thinking, didn't we, that everybody that, that, that comes from uh, outside our borders is from mainland China. I mean, it has tons and tons and, of money. And they come with uh, truckfuls yeah. of money. And that's just simply, I mean, there are those examples for sure, but that's not everybody and that's not exclusively who you're dealing with. I uh, want to talk uh, a bit about, uh, and, you know, the term millennial, it, it, it does bother me, I have to say, uh, because we've never, I don't think, while we have branded generations over the years, uh, never have we so maligned millennials. And uh, we have this idea that millennials cannot get into the market. We keep telling our kids uh, or, or kids or your friends or, or whatever, you will never get into the market. I was told that, and I got into the market. If I could do it, anybody can do it. And I believe that to be the true today. And John and I, and I have we've spent a lot of time on this show promoting that idea. It doesn't matter how young or old you are. There is a way to get into the market that in some cases you may have to lower your expectations. But I was interested to, to get your feedback on what you thought were, were some of the things that millennials or first-time buyers in general should be thinking about. Um, I think that's a really great point to bring up. I work with a lot of millennials. They're, uh, they make up majority of my clientele, so it's definitely doable. Um, the millennials that I work with, they're very organized, they have savings, they contribute to their RSBs, um, and they carry a budget and they work with a budget. So, um, I think like 
like anything, if you're wanting to get into a new job, for example, you would have certain procedures in place or certain um, academic courses that you would take. And I think the same as a home ownership, if you want to own your home, you have to cut back on some things. Maybe that's dining out, maybe that's living with a roommate, maybe starting out um, maybe in an area that you don't want right. to live in yeah. and then moving up from there. But it's definitely doable. Um, a lot of a lot of millennials in Vancouver, especially, they stay home longer. So they're able to save money. And um, it's it's really all about their lifestyle. I have um, I have millennial clients that have very good salary and not as much savings. And I have millennial clients that have average salaries with great savings. And it's, it's really just depends on their lifestyle. Speaking as a millennial, um, I oh have, my goodness, you're not, are you really? <laughs> I have friends that, uh, one friend in particular bought over on the North shore, uh, still lives in, um, false Creek area, uh, but owns a home on the North shore now. And uh, he easily overpaid by, I want to say, a hundred thousand or so. You know, there's no doubt about it. He knows that he was fine with it. Yeah. Um, he just said it was a, you know, a reality that he had to uh, to face. Um, when, when you're when you're dealing with millennials, uh, you know, we can be a pain in the butt sometimes. You know, <laughs> as you probably know, we we want everything right now. If we can't have it, we, you know, we're gonna find a way to get it. Um, what are some of the biggest things that? Uh, I guess the biggest annoyances you have dealing with clients like uh, my age, your age, that uh, that uh, just have to have it now with, without question. Um, I would say this would this would go back to what we were talking about before, just yeah. running with their emotions and you know uh, maybe going over their budget, maybe um, maybe the whole fear of missing out on the market is. Um, do, you, do you find they're willing to stretch their their finances? you know, further than they can probably afford just to get it? Have you seen examples of that? A I lot? have. I have seen that. Um, I when I work with my clients, I say, you know, I work backwards with them and I say, let's go over all your expenses and let's see realistically what you can afford. Um, and then I get them pre-approved and I say, this is the maximum you can you can r- really get approved for. But it doesn't mean you should go out and spend that much money. So they always have a range of where they're comfortable with and where the maximum they can go to. Um, majority of my clients never go to the maximum, um, but they may go a little bit outside of their comfort zone. Um, Is it fair, though, to to say that, because we do hear this, that millennials need to lower their expectations? Now, for me, in some cases, that's true. In, in other cases, are we saying, don't dream? You know, So there's, there's a bit of that yin-yang thing going on, but do you find generally that your clients that are in that category of millennial, that they don't want to give up the the extras, the accoutrements, so that maybe uh, others have taken years to sort of climb up the property ladder? Um, I maybe I've been extremely lucky with my millennial clients as well, but um, I find I find them a great uh, group of people to work with. I they're educated. They are um, they're organized. They do their research. Um, they value the service that you provide. Um, and I think in terms of expectations, I think they everyone that starts off when they first start off in the market. Um, everyone has a big list of wants. Um, and, you know, realistically, after a few open houses and a few tours, um, those become shortlisted. Yeah. We've got to take a break. I'm going to stop you there. Uh, we'll get you to hang on for a second. It, it, Atrina Kurishnia is in our uh, in studio with us today. She is our, our guest. Uh, 
She's an independent licensed mortgage broker who has great insight into international buyers. And in particular, uh, her client base is largely made up of millennials. Stay with us. This is Vancouver Real Estate Today on News Talk 980 CKNW. Katrina Kurishnia is an independent licensed mortgage broker. Her license carries her in British Columbia. Her office is in Vancouver. And uh, the practice, uh, is it a mortgage practice? Uh, I don't know. That's what You don't practice. You're, you're serious now. You're, you're in business <laughs> for real. Um, but, but you do deal an awful lot in the course of your daily business with uh, younger people that are in their 20s and in the early 30s. Uh, and we're, we're trying to to let people know that they can get into the market. Don't listen to those that say no. There is a way, and this is something that you're able to help these individuals out with. I found it, sorry to to jump in here, but I found it interesting that you had pointed out that that your clients specifically, the, the millennial clients you have, uh, these people are not, uh, you know, we, we describe millennials sometimes as, um, you know, uh, when you associate millennials, you think of, you know, they need everything, they, they want everything, they, you know, the world owes them something. But uh, in your case, you're, you're saying the exact opposite. No, these people are saving money. Uh, they're working within their budgets. And, and I found that interesting because a lot of people who had one caller suggest that, you know, spend less money at the Starbucks and more money saving. Well, your clients are saving and they are preparing for the future. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, I've been extremely lucky with uh, my clients as well and the millennials, but they come to me and they know how much they're, exactly. you know, they can afford. Yeah. Um, I always do the budget worksheet with them, but they've, they, they have savings. They have investments. They have TFSA. What kind of savings do they need? What kind of a down payment will get them into the market? And, and by the way, I hope you don't think that I'm, I'm uh, poo-pooing on millennials because the millennials that I know and that I come across daily, I think are some of the hardest working, most together people. It may be the generation ahead of them. That it comes we, from good parenting, of course. Well, <laughs> of course. Well, naturally. But so what kind of money do you think uh, somebody would need to, to make that first home ownership purchase? Um, definitely depends on their income. Uh, minimum down payment's 5%. But reality in Vancouver, as a millennial, if you're entering the market um, and you're planning to buy in Vancouver, 5% will probably just not cut it because right. that, won't, that won't be enough. Um, sometimes... Some of my clients, they have maybe 5 to 10% their own, and they get a, a portion of their down payment gifted, um, and that helps them a little bit. Um, or some of them, some rare cases, they have 20% saving on their own. Um, and I ask them, I say, how do you save? They, they just tell me. They say, I live at home, mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of expenses, and I save all my money. The bank, yeah. of, the bank of mom and dad is always, always great as well. It is, I yes. Mean, for first-time buyers, let's be honest, it, it, this happens a lot, and yeah. it, there's nothing wrong sure, with that. absolutely. It's been happening for generations, and it will continue. Well, to this do, is so. it, John, and that's, I'm glad you brought that up because it's, this is not a millennial issue. This has been, this has been ongoing for, for the ages, ever since home ownership you know, has been around. Oh, absolutely. My father's house, he, he built a home with help from my grandpa and absolutely. my grandma. And they lived in the house with us my whole life. There you go. Yeah, uh, my grandfather lived with us too. And, and that was great, except for he insisted on smoking the longest, fattest cigars. See, <laughs> <laughs> I'd have no problem with that. Yeah. I like cigars. And now, and now I can't get up without a cigar and a, and a glass of scotch. <laughs> uh, before we let you go, Atrina, um, and we're coming to the close of the program, but you touched on something earlier, and I just want to revisit this for a moment, and that's this whole idea of emotion. And, and, and do you have any tips or any advice on 
on how we can keep our emotions in check when we're dealing with this world of finance and real estate? Um, definitely. I think, especially for home ownership, uh, you should you should try to separate your emotions from it. This isn't going to be your forever home. It's a starting point for you. Um, and you know, if you can't start right now, you may be able to start next year or the following year. Um, you know, you can continue saving. You can continue building your credit. Um, but just don't go in there with a fear of if I don't do this right now. I, I'll never be able to do it. The, if the timing is not right for you, it's better for you to wait and go in when the timing is better than going in, uh, stretching yourself far just because your emotions are sure. letting you. I think a lot of that will come through a good mortgage broker that can help you understand the entire scenario, that it's not just about the interest rate, that there's a whole lot of things to think about. We're going to have to ask you to come back. Will you do that? I would love that. We would yeah. love to have you. Uh, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Um, so anyone can go to my website, which is mortgagebyatrina.com, and my contact information is on the website. Excellent. Well, thanks for being here. Thank you very much. We have to take a break, but we'll be right back for our closing comments on Vancouver Real Estate Today on News Talk 980 CKNW. Well, Atrina Karishnia is no longer with us, but she was uh, very informed, and uh, I, I thought... Uh, a very uh, good person to speak to because of her experience with uh, the generation that she deals with, mostly millennials, also people that are coming from uh, outside of our borders to, to buy real estate. And I thought she explained the impact of the 15% tax uh, quite well. Yeah, she had a couple of great examples. An American couple that uh, purchased a presale condo in 2012. Uh, things slowed down, developments got stalled, delays, delays, delays come. Uh, this September, it should be finished, but guess what? An extra $100,000 because of that new foreign buyer's tax. Uh, just one of the good examples uh, she brought us this morning. And, you know, this story, some people might be sick of hearing about this BC foreign buyer's tax, but we're, we're just getting into this. We're going to find out the, the true scope of, of the impact of this probably uh, by, you know, next month. Well, that's my I, question I for you, John, and I wanted to ask you, do you think that what we're seeing now is is a real slowdown in the market? Is it because we're in the heat of summer? Is it because of the 15%? Is it because maybe people are now a little bit more afraid than they were to park their money here? I, I would say all of the above, and, and the fact that uh, prices are continuing to go up um, because there's less available because people don't really want to sell because guess what? You sell, you got to buy again. Yeah. Or you might have to buy again, or you could rent again, but then you know rents are going up 20% this year. Um, so you know what? There's, I think it's a, it's a lot of both, but this is the dead of summer. And it's always slow in the summer. Yeah, Any, anybody could, and you don't have to be in real estate to know that. I think um, the next thirty days, well, after this month is done, I think when we yeah. once we get past Labor Day, I think we're going to see a real but, fundamental shift one way or the other. Either it's going to the market's it's starting to cool down. We're starting to see that, although prices, as you say, are still high, and that's because of the the low inventory. But I think we'll see something happen. Now, it may stay the same, but one way or the other, we're, we'll we'll get a little bit more, we'll get our feet more into it, I And think. just quickly off the top, I, I mentioned the fact that uh, they're seeing slower sales in Richmond, and, and one realtor pointed out, likely because of the foreign buyer's tax, where I believe in Richmond, uh, data shows something like uh, 19% of homes there in a one-month period were bought by uh, foreign buyers. So, you know, some, some realtors are pointing out examples like that where things are cooling because of the tax, but... 
it's summer. Guess what? People are on vacation. People are out touring and, and not at home. And We're not. We're right estate. here talking about real estate. And the other area, too, that uh, that I find very interesting, because we don't talk about it. We are, we're always talking about Vancouver. But Richmond, with uh, I, I, th- I think the number was 18, but 18, 19 doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, the second highest number was Burnaby. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about Burnaby. We never, ever talk when about Burnaby. When it comes Burnaby. to Burnaby, it's always about uh, demo evictions. And re- well, that's it. You know, and that, that's something that's that a huge topic. And Vancouver's yeah. gone through that. They still are, but mm-hmm. the, the Kits and Carisdale were, were areas that were particularly hard hit by that, particularly during the Expo era. We're seeing that a little bit more now in East Vancouver. But uh, this this circle continues to to keep keep going round and round and round, and that's good for you and I, John, because that means we'll have more to talk about next weekend. And by the way, this show is podcast at cknw.com, and that is all the time we have. Our technical producer is Jamie Benteen. Thank you. For John Meyer, my name is Ian Power. Stay with us. CKNW Weekend is next. This is Vancouver Real Estate Today on News Talk 980 CKNW.